my god, we are back at the comics Holy table again. Fuck! Holy hell! Holy shit! It is unbelievable. I can't believe we're back in we're this room. Right here at the comics table the in comics beautiful table. Midtown Manhattan. New York City, ladies New York. and gentlemen. Yeah, I, you know, I just love this city. I just love this city, Tristan. It's a beautiful city. It's magical. There's so much opportunity. There's a lot of people auditioning. There's Oh, my God. Yeah, so we do have to set this scene. We record at Ripley Greer Studios in Manhattan, and there's about 65 actors out in this hallway. 60, 6,500. Uh, there's 4,000 people There's here a lot of actors Auditioning outside. for one role. And I, I walked past this lady who was reading lines against the wall. Like, her face was against the wall six inches from the wall just just reciting lines right she looked psychotic yeah she looked like Probably a mentally is. ill person that's a lot of actors are she's got too much pressure on herself the lady needs to drink some tea and relax i went into the bathroom to take a leak and uh it just smells like nervous poop in there oh yeah you know when the, that nervous farty poop that people oh, get stress poop stress poop yep um guys who are listening and girls and uh mom dad. moms dads um you know, small children probably shouldn't be listening, right? Nope. I don't know. Turn it off, cousin Steven. Might get educated. Uh, well, thank you, our listeners, for listening. We've yeah. we've got a lot of great listeners. We do this for you guys. Yeah, no, nah, me. I'm pretty selfish about it. Yeah, it's no, it is, it is like a project in uh, self-aggrandizement. Is yeah. that a word? Nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we just heard a giggle from we our guest. A giggle from our guest. We should yeah. introduce our Who's guest. Who's our guest today, Patrick? Today we have Cress Hernandez. Cress Hernandez. Hey. How are you? <laughs> I'm nervous. You're nervous I'm and tired. You've had a confused, day. Confused. Yeah. Very sleepy, Cress Hernandez. Did you say confused? Yeah. About what you're doing right now? Yeah, this whole like last 10 minutes has been a whirlwind. Yeah, I'm sorry. I went the wrong way. and 3,000 people out there. I went to the men's bathroom, but there was a urinal. So I was like, wait, did I go in the women's bathroom? Oh, and I yeah. ran out. Oh, no. No, oh. but did you did you smell the nervous poops in there? I did. I was trying not to laugh when you said that. Yeah. I, I thought maybe sure. Crest delivered the <laughs> nervous poops, the way he was describing the story. No way. I definitely went in there before Crest uh, made, made his debut. So it's all good. Well, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. Really glad you're here. We have so much exciting things to talk about. So much stuff. This is a huge week for you. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, maybe we're, the biggest of my life, probably. <laughs> yeah, we have two. We're two nights away from Crest featuring at Caroline's Comedy Club, sold out show for Ashley Gavin. Do you? Uh, how much time are you doing there? Uh, twenty minutes. Twenty minutes. Yeah, eighteen to twenty. Nice. Have you been like working the mics and all that kind of stuff, getting ready? Um, it's kind of hard because you only get like five minutes out of mics. So you can't really. It's just like running old stuff. Yeah. You know? Um. In short, yes, but I don't really feel like it's making that big of a difference. Did you run it at, you had your show, you put on a show mm-hmm. at the standing room. Did you run a similar set to what you'll be doing there? Yeah, well, what wound up happening at that one is both the people that I had as co-headliners needed to go up earlier. So I put them up earlier and I was like, okay, I'll just close out the show Yeah, and do like the first half of what I planned to do at Caroline's. And yeah. it went... Really well, which was um, a big relief because I hadn't strung them all together like that in a while. And it was a good confidence booster. Yeah. And that's what's so great about producing your own show is you can really be selfish with the time. And you can, if you if you want to do a longer set yourself, you can do that. I'm selfish with time regardless of the situation. You do blow the light a lot, Tristan. All the time. Fuck that light. Because you spend the first two minutes of your set bitching and moaning about whatever. Are we talking about at the mic? No, just in general. No, I'm good at the like show. I feel like stand, at the stand showcase... No I feel way. like I'm. If I ever have to light you, there's someone behind me saying, "Light him again." Yeah, I but it's like names. literally the first time you've lit me though. At that point, right? Mm, mm. Oh yeah, there was that one time. It was really the first time oh, you lit was, me. Yeah, that was that was stressful for right. all of us. Yeah, and somebody came. <laughs> we shall remain nameless. Yeah, this person will remain nameless. Came up to the stage and waved their phone in my face as uh, I was doing my closing uh, bit. Uh, it was brutal. It was now brutal. Now you have to name names. No, well, I it's, it's, I yeah, can and won't. No. no. <laughs> uh, we only name names when we're saying, yeah, yeah. But we only name names when we're just speaking like with glowing, glowing terms. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, speaking of glowing, 
uh, glowing reviews of our favorite people. Let's get, add some goddamn context to this conversation. Okay. Chris Hernandez, yes. we've we've known mainly from the mics yes. for a couple years now. Very funny. We love Chris. I love Chris. Yeah. You've come to there was a time you were coming to our Thursday mic yep. quite a bit. Yeah. I miss you there. I know. I tried I signed up for the one that they just canceled. Every time I sign up, they cancel that. Oh, that's why they cancel. Yeah, we, it. the stand bumps yeah. them sometimes. They've yeah. got other. Yeah, we find out like on. day of. That's yeah. frustrating. But they, you know, it's like I don't know. They had some some charity event or something. What was your first experience with Chris? Is that cool uh, or not? Uh, man, well, first of all, much darker hair at the time back mm-hmm. then in those days. Um, I, you know, I don't remember the first time. Um, you're you're just kind of you know what it's like. There's certain people that you're that you're like, weren't they just always there, like always doing, you know, the, their brand of uh, comedy, and and I don't know, I just remember you always getting up there and always having some really uh, kind of dark humor. I would say, you know, you're more of a dark humor kind of person, which is definitely like up my alley. I'm a more dark, very humor honest, person. very honest, very, very like, oh yeah, I mean, some of the some of the stuff is just like, oh god, yeah. <laughs> Like the the I, I think you have a dick cheese joke, which particularly uh, I was just like, oh my god, yeah, yeah <laughs> I couldn't yeah. handle that one. That term uh, is really visceral. Yes, very, very, really brings forth imagery. In some cultures, yeah. it's considered a delicacy. Is it? Yeah, <laughs> not my culture. <laughs> well, it's an actual culture. It's, it is a culture. It is a bacterial culture. Yeah, yeah. and um, it is delicate. There, it's a del- delicate balance of uh, pH. So, so you're you've been a comedy fan for a long time. How long have you been doing comedy? Uh, I say officially it'll be three years in July. Okay. I started. I did like ten open mics, and people were not laughing, and it was actually like heartbreaking for me because I sat on the sidelines. I think for like eight years, really wanting to do this thing. And when you say sidelines, you mean like going to shows? Yeah, watching shows, watching everything I could find on. Netflix or whatever. Yeah. Netflix came along, YouTube. And just really feeling like, I think I understand comedy. Like, I think this is something that, I think I have a sense of humor. I think this is something that I could do and actually be relatively decent at. And so when I started, the first mic was great. But then after that, it was just like getting five minutes of silence every time. It was like I realized that, oh, my dream is definitely not going to happen. Like, not even close. Yeah. And that was uh, hard to process because I'm a little bit older. You know, I was 32, I think, at the time. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I'm running out of things to throw to see what sticks, you know. And I really thought comedy was the one I was holding out for because it was the one that I was most afraid of, probably because it was the one that was going to do it for me. Yeah. And so that was really hard to process when I realized it wasn't going to work out. So I stopped going to open mics and just went about my life obsessing about comedy and doing it again for eight months yeah before i had uh i decided to give it another go and the second time going for it stuck yeah well i mean it's because i um i ran into a friend that knew may wilkerson mm-hmm. and i had asked well, may we've had may on the podcast yeah 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 and, it was great and she had started doing my hiatus like after i had stopped doing mics and I saw this friend who knew May. I was like, oh, I, I know May's doing comedy. Like, how, do you know how that's going for her? And she's like, well, I don't really know. I just know that she gets up every night. Yeah. And for some reason, when I heard the phrase gets up every night, something just clicked in my head. I was like, that's what it takes. Like, that's what I have to do. Yeah. Yeah. Because I wasn't being serious about it before. Yeah. And um, so that kind of put it into perspective for me. And that night I reached out to May on Facebook. I was like, hey, I hear you're doing comedy. Like, I want to get serious about it. Can we hit a mic together? Did you guys know each other before comedy? We had met. Yeah. I think one time we had met briefly through the... But but you guys had just clicked as friends? I think we were kind of... I don't know what her take would be as it, but I, be of it, but I feel like we were kind of awkward around each other for a while. You you both have interesting social uh, vibes. Uh, it's just interesting that you would be like, well, we weren't really friends. We were kind of awkward, but like she inspired me to like get serious about yeah. comedy it was just hearing that phrase like get up every night like, like that practical measure of it i think you realized it was a daily thing that you have to do and yeah that you can't just like do a mic every couple weeks and hope that it builds into something yeah i think it's easy like to think of creating work or art as something that just happens you know like yeah i get an idea and then there it is and it's no it's like literally work every day yeah 
little by little. I had like an inverse introduction into comedy. In a, in a, like I had a friend who we had done improv together for a couple of years. And we were always talking like, let's do st- actually Etheria Cube. I don't know if you know mm-hmm. Ethereum. Mm-hmm. She's awesome. And I actually want to have her on sometime. Yeah, she's um, amazing. She, uh... Her, you know, her and I were like, "Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna do this. We're gonna do. We'll, we'll go to an open mic together. We'll do it. We'll do it. Do it." But we kept like putting it off, putting it off, and it, suddenly it just clicked on me one day. Like, if we keep putting this off, mm. it's just never gonna happen. Mm. Yeah. So because because of us doing that, like I was like, I'm just gonna do it, and I just did it, and then. And then she's the next time we talk, she's like, "Oh, we should do comedy." I'm like, "Hey, I'm already doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should do stand up. I'm already doing it." And then she started doing it. And wait, she started after you? Yeah, I mean, just a little bit. Like she, she how's was... she like so much better? <laughs> she's just smarter and more talented. Really, that's what it is. What no, it you know, what? actually, she's great. You're great, uh, but you're very different comedians. And I guess that's very just different. Yeah, from... but we both have a real um, dark sense of humor. Yeah, and we love like just take it as dark as you can. And take it she's and such a great joke teller she she's really she good killed she's it really at comedy good. fight club that week oh yeah oh my god she, uh, she was so it. good yeah. who'd you, who'd you so, fight so patrick uh who who did she go up against i forget oh who was that guy <laughs> they were bad whoever it was they were bad because they Ouch. all their jokes were they, they just were non-jokes and her jokes were such good jokes they were yeah know? they were just they were press has killed on this yeah. you you and may were had a was it may I no, I, I roasted Hunter Cregan. Oh yeah, that was pretty gnarly. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, it was. It had to go into overtime. Yeah. But, oh uh, no, I didn't go to that. I remember you telling me some of the jokes. Yeah, we won fight of the night. It was fun. It was the roast coach or something that I have a really hard time with. Yeah. And I kind of stayed out of it for a while. When I when I first went to one, it was really uncomfortable. I think I watched Maddie Smith and. Somebody else, like two, and Joe Wiener went against each yeah. other. And there's, those are two comics I respect and kind of like care for as people. And you know they're friends. Yeah, but when they went after each other, they went for like the real things. Oh, yeah. And it just like hurt me to witness my yeah. friend. Well, being see, the, the problem is if you don't, if you, if you pull your punches. So a lot of people don't know about this, but there is a Sunday event called. Uh, uh, comedy fight club it's run by matt Marin and, and a group of like other other guys guys and gals and um uh it's it's just it's such a delight as a comic to go to it because basically you know you have like a week to write the most vicious tear down jokes you can write about the other person and if you pull your punches or you don't go all the way like the crowd will like boo you literally um but if you if you're just the more vicious and like to the jugular that you are, the more they love it. I actually have something controversial we can discuss. Ooh, let's do it. So I I roasted Jason Chatfield last week. Yes, you did. And that was a great. And, that was a great one. And yesterday, uh, Nico, Nikos, the social media guy, mm-hmm. Nicola, mm-hmm. he's a great guy, really sweet guy. He does their Twitter account. He asked me to send him my roast jokes because they were going to tweet some of them, and so they did tweet. A couple of them. And in one of them, I'm not proud to say this, but I wrote it to win the match. Mm-hmm. I wrote these jokes to win this match. But I'm not proud of it. I used the, a, a slur. I used the F word in relation to someone being gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the joke was, uh, I was roasting Jason Chatfield. I said, Jason's from Australia. Did you guys know gay marriage is still legal in Australia? Why else would this faggot move here? Huge laugh. It killed in the room. It was one of the reasons I won, I think. But for them to retweet that joke in that context and have my have my Twitter name attached to it, I'm like, God damn it, why would I even have sent them that one? And also it's on Periscope. So Periscope that can live forever in a certain way. Uh, I think they like they expire after a while. Well, I I was able to download it. Uh, Like I have the file. So if I can download it, who else can download? And I'm like, wait, do I want do I want my name attached to this kind of language? Because, Cress, you're one of my best friends. I care about you as a person and as a human being. You are a gay man. D- does that hurt you? Like, if, you, if you're if scrolling through my Twitter and you saw that I said that, does that hurt you? Or do you understand the context? Um, for me, when the F word comes along, when the word faggot comes along, it does not matter the context. Like, it literally is a word that just kind of, in a sense, shatters all context surrounding it. It's just hurt. It's just like hateful hurt. 
Yeah. Because uh, growing up, that word was used against me like the whole time. And it's just like, I don't think no amount of time we'll be able to like change the stigma that that word has for me. So it will, I will, will react to it. But then, you know, when I'm able to put it back into the context, I'm like, oh, I know Patrick loves me. It, it, it clearly doesn't mean it that way. But that always that knee jerk reaction that I have is why I always push comics. I'm like, is it worth it? You yeah. know, knowing that it doesn't matter how funny it is, that, that is going to hurt a certain amount of people in the room. Yeah. Like, do you think maybe you owe it to yourself or to your talent to try a little harder to come up with something more unique and different? Yeah. But at the same time, like, it's crazy that words can be so powerful. So it's hard not oh, yeah, like to... Yeah, that word, the N-word, um, uh, the C-word, mm. you know, like, I don't know, like, it, it, you know, if you use them, especially directed towards, you know, the person that that word is engineered to offend, then... It's crazy, yeah. Well, first of all, I'm sorry, because uh, I don't want to. I don't want to like be somebody that proliferates hate. Is the, proliferate? Yeah, the right there word? is something about the the context of those com- comedic fights where you will use the the kind of verbal version of throwing sand in someone's eyes, where it's kind of a cheap move, but it works. Yeah, and um, you know, and some of that I think comes from. You know, there's probably a little bit of desperation in that. Like, I know that you guys kind of waited to the like the twelfth hour to like write your jokes, and uh, and you know, sometimes that pressure can actually make it better. But sometimes, you know, you go you go for some of those things. But yeah. I think it's an interesting to talk about because, like, it is something that that uh, that can be that I've seen done in a uh, in a humorous way. But like, you know, um, it's also it's easy for me to like look at anything like that in like kind of a cavalier way because you know there's no wor- there's no words out there like that 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 somebody could use against me that would impact me in that way. Yeah. Even though I was definitely called that word when I was in school yeah. too. I mean yeah, yeah that, me too. That, <laughs> I think that does have a, this, a similar impact on straight people. Yeah. They get called it too because they're for them it's like for us it's kind of like I can't do anything about that or like they know, you know, if you're closeted and I think for straight people it's like but I'm not, and I think that's in some way hurts probably just as bad because people are perceiving you in a way that is not true to you, yeah, and it's being used against you. Well, when you're a kid too, like I think kids don't oftentimes don't know anything about what they are, who they are, and when people use uh, words like especially hateful words that kind of are defining them as something and using it in a negative way, then I think a lot of times kids could you know could be like, well. Are they saying this because I I am this thing, or or am I'm I'm definitely not this thing? But like, why would they think that that I am? Or you know, like you some I think when you're a kid, especially you take it in a more serious tone of like, well, I don't actually know you know who or what I am at this yeah. point, and I'm trying to figure that. I think as an adult, you could just kind of brush it off and be like, okay, cool, you know. Yeah. Wait, are we supposed to know who we are by now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> Do you feel closer to knowing who you are now that you've committed so hard to comedy? No, I mean, in all honesty, like this Caroline's thing has kind of flipped my world upside down in a weird way. What really? happened with that? Like, what, like, what, what, like, walk us through, like, what, like, um, I, so Ashley <laughs> Gavin is the comic that got her breakout artist series, and I don't that, know if that's the name of the show at Caroline. Yeah, breakout artist series, I think. Something yeah. Something like that. And I had Ashley on my show, Lost City. Early on, like I think the second show, and then I was on your very the very first. You're on the very first one. That was a great, great show. You both were on the very first one. Yeah, and um, so I mean that's kind of important to say. Like I started the show, and um, the reason I did that was because like a year into comedy, I wasn't really getting booked on any shows, and I was like, I feel like I'm you know kind of funny, and you know I'm people are getting booked that I certainly think I'm maybe funnier than, and um. I told a comic friend of mine who's like a little more advanced and she was like, well, what you do is you start a show because then you have the power and then you book people and then that have shows and then they book you on their show. And I'm going to cut in here. I'm not going to say names, but I, I want to say that Cress is saying he was talking to a friend who's more advanced than him, like somebody who else who ran a bar show or something. Cress has a friend. I'm, I'm, is it okay if I say this much? I'm not going to say names, but is it okay that I just say that there's actually a person who's very very advanced and like yeah. makes a living and is on tv and stuff 
Yeah. And I know we're not going to name names, yeah. but but so you got good advice from a, a reliable source. Yeah. And that reliable source is someone that I think was put into my life, you know, who she was a stand up at the time. I mean, still above, I think, where we were, but, you know, now is on a television show and is famous. And, you know, that friendship was something that allowed me to see, like, what was possible through comedy. Mm-hmm. All the while, while I was, like, watching and wanting to do it, this person being in my life was like, oh, I can't do it now because that's their thing. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. you know, if I were to try it, I'm just like, oh, if you can do it, I can do it too because it's nothing. And I never felt that way. Like, even watching this person back, in like the early 2000s, I was like, yo, this person's like really funny. And I really believe that she's got like a talent that is, you know, bigger than is being recognized right now. And so for her to make it, I was like, I think I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, and that gave me yeah. a lot of courage to kind of really try the comedy thing. Um, but yeah, so I started the show and it got successful, I think, just because I work at a big restaurant that has a lot of. People working for it, a lot of the coworkers come out. Well, I can out. tell you right now, from the first show, like, uh, that was just a great show. I mean, you had a great lineup, really great energy. And I know that it's been going on for a while, and I haven't seen the current iteration. But if it if it kind of matches what I saw then, I mean, it's no surprise to me that, you know, that it's, you know, kind of done what it's done. Yeah, and so that's making me build relationships with comics, and Ashley Gavin being one of them. And... I mean, I, I just, I really, I guess, try to sell myself short a lot. She probably just sees something in me that she thinks I yeah, have Yeah, this something. isn't a favor booking. It's certainly not a favor no, booking. No, we talked to her about, we, you yeah. know, uh, on, on like two episodes ago, I think, on, on what, uh, you know, like how she chose the people that she chose. And, and, you know, her response was something along the lines of, you know, the people that I think are really funny and that have like a good complimentary energy to my energy and you know, I think will really complement what I do. And um, so, yeah, I mean. Because you have, you have such good jokes and you're gay also, but not in the same way she is, obviously. Uh, and also you, you and Neil will just set the table for her. Well, you present like, stuff in such a chill way. And, you know, that's funny when you talk about like getting up there and and saying like, oh, I was nobody was laughing. And so I was like discouraged because I feel like when I've watched you do comedy, like you almost ha- like have an attitude on stage of like, I don't care if you're laughing or not. Like I'm going to do what I do. And, and then, you know, a lot of times like your confidence and your um, ten- tenacity to just do what you think is real is, is really funny and endearing. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I can, I can definitely see why she, she would pick you as somebody that, cause you have like this very calm, like, calm but like authoritative kind of energy about you when you get up on stage like you're like this is what we're going to talk about right now and you know but wait i want to know why that's flipping your world upside down i mean i'm I'm learning through this experience that i just i can't i can't identify with like success mm. i just can't do it like it literally i don't know i i i I could be like on watching a video of it like i watch a video of like a, a set from lost city that was like really fucking great and I hear the audience like laughing and applause breaks. Like I find myself looking at the video like I did that. Like I did that. I like I have to say it over and like I don't it doesn't like register that I'm like doing good things. Are you ashamed of it or you just have a hard time like appreciating it? It's just so foreign to me. What do you think what do you think of when you think success? Like what what is, what is success for you? Um success for me is getting out of bed in the morning. And not killing anybody throughout the day. Mm. Uh, no. I don't know. It's like, it really depends on the day. You know, I think for me, success is just being surrounded by good people. Because mm-hmm. um, I think, like, my life has led me to kind of, sure, like, reach for the stars. But those are always these abstract things that you just have, like, a North Star to aim towards. But none of it really ever seemed practical to me. You know, like um, like, I didn't think it was possible for me to kind of, even though I went after it, like, clearly, I think it's just weird, like, now that it's happening, even though on such a small scale, it's just, like, I just can't identify with what's happening in my life right now. Like, do you feel like you don't deserve to be proud of yourself or something? It's more abstract than that, even. Like, I can't even get into, like, feelings about it. It's just, like, weird. I'm like, okay, so I'm playing Caroline's Comedy Club. Like, what? Yeah. 
sold out crowd. Just, yeah, 325 people they they see and it's just it just came so quick mm-hmm. that I think I'll be able to wrap my head around it, you know. Like after the the show I'll probably be like, "Oh, you have good jokes." And usually afterwards I'm like I can get some confidence, but when it's like this is just big and it's just it's throwing me. <laughs> are you are you dreading it? Like do you have fear dread or do you have like nervous anticipation and excitement? How would you describe? Well, when when she first told me I was like, okay, this is going to be a thing, but there's time. We can work on it. You can write a whole new act because <laughs> you have to get good jokes now. You got to, it's big time. And then uh, the timing thing was like something that bounced around. She was saying like initially she wanted me to do a half hour. And I was like, uh, I don't know if I really feel comfortable. Like I know I could probably rise to the challenge and do it, but it would take a lot of effort. And then when she backed it down to 20, I was like, she has had me open for her at two colleges and I did about 20 minutes there. When she said that, I'm like, okay, that that's just like my 20 minutes. So set this that is I already not like have. out of the out of the blue. Like you have opened for her before, yeah. and you have done this time. Mm-hmm. And how did that go? It went well. And the college shows were were like looser, I think. But being able to get through 20 minutes. How many people would you have in in, in those college audiences? I think the first one was like 70, yeah. like between 50 and 70, I think. And that was a huge deal. You know, that was you know none of this is lost on me. Like when she asked me to open. At that college, I was like, oh, my God, I'm a comedian playing a college. Like, that's not if it gets lost on me, but now that it just keeps on, you know. Yeah, it's just interesting because the way you talk about it is almost like, oh, did, did, you know, like, is this just like a totally new thing for you? But then it's like, no, you you did. You've already been in this kind of exact situation with her, right? I think we need to talk about (laughs) self-esteem. Yeah, no, it's just like damage from the, you know. Like, yeah. I'm just, I just self-identify as like a fuck up and a failure. So like, you know, I can't identify with success, but if someone. But that's part of what your comedy is too, right? Like a lot of, a lot of your comedy is kind of like talking that, like that way. Probably. I mean, I think that's such a core root of who I am. Yeah. Well, paint us a picture. Like, why do you think, like if for somebody who has never met you, like several of our listeners, <laughs> where do you think, where do you think that comes from? Like when you say. We have millions you, of listeners. What do you way, mean Chris? fuck up? <laughs> I mean, were you not good in high school? No, I just, like, I was. I just was a fuck-up. I just, you know, like, in ways that things could be measured, like report cards, bad grades. You know, I, like, never did homework. I just never, I never excelled at things. Like, when I would apply myself, I would excel. But there's just something about... Did you have friends? Did you have, like, a social group? I bounced around a lot in early school because I, I was getting bullied really bad in, like, early elementary school. So my mom had to, she sent me to live with my aunt. I was getting beat up, like, every day after school. So my mom sent me to live with my aunt. I remember those days. Yeah. To um, go to a different room school. with a couple of pipsqueaks here. Yeah. A couple of pussies. <laughs> and um, so I bounced around a lot. Where was your aunt? The same hometown, just on the other okay. side of the river. On Near the, Chicago, on the right? Bad side. Yeah, I'm from Elgin, Illinois. And then I went to the school and... and so wait, she, you went to stay with your aunt because... Just so you could go to a different school district, or like, see, like I don't know exactly why. Like as a kid, suddenly I'm just living with my aunt and my cousins and homesick, 100 percent of the time. And it's weird because you like you can't when you're not living in your own house, you don't have permission to do anything. So you just like I'm gonna get in trouble if I breathe. And um, but looking back on it, like chronologically, second grade was when that kid was beating me up every day after school, and his mom had to come in, my mom had to come in to talk about it. And then the next year is when I was living with my aunt. So looking back on it, I'm like, oh, I bet you she did that to kind of get me out of a bad situation. What do we know about this kid now? Is he fucking dead? I hope he is. <laughs> you know, he's probably just in a lot of pain. I you fucking know? hate, I hate, like, I, I went through a phase where I was, like, yeah. bullying other kids. And I hate that about myself. I hate, I hate thinking how much misery I brought on other people. You know, it's interesting. As I was told after the fact that I bullied some kids but i never as a kid i never felt that way i always felt victimized and i because i can remember being beat up constantly and it's possible that i transferred some of that yeah, hurt to like yeah. other kids and didn't even think of it in that it's sense because you're a little kid and you're you're self-absorbed and you're like well i can't you know i can't yeah. be guilty with any of this did you do you do you have anything in your mind like why like i know why like kids targeted me because i was like you know, really skinny, and I had like bright red hair and freckles. And oh, like, I would have kicked this. Shit oh out man, of you. they loved picking on me. Plus, plus, I was kind of an you know, and I was an ass. I was a class clown and that kind of stuff. And yeah. they were like, "I'm gonna, you know, shove that little." You had earrings. No, I didn't have any earrings. Um, I got the I got the earring at on at sixteen. Mm. It pierced it myself. 
But like, what, uh, like, do you think there was any, any particular reasons you were singled out or you just think that guy's just some little asshole kid that just like wouldn't lay off? I mean, I, I always flocked towards women. So I was always hanging out with the girls and doing like girly things because I was just more comfortable around women and girls. You were watching uh, uh, Little Mermaid. I mean, everyone was watching Little Mermaid when they were a kid. Come yeah. on. We were a uh, Beauty and the Beast house. Uh, <laughs> I'm a Beauty and the Beast house now. You know what I think was interesting is you said, I said, I hope that guy's dead. And you said, I bet he was just in a lot of pain. It sounds like you're so compassionate toward other people, but do you struggle with being compassionate toward yourself? For a long, long, long time, I did, for sure. I used to say, like, oh, I, I can, you know, if someone that killed somebody, be like, oh, they, you know, they made a mistake. It was probably a really bad day. Then for me, like, I'm late for work, and I'm like, you piece of shit, motherfucker, you know? Yeah. Um, But I think that compassion over time has allowed me to start turning on myself. Yeah. You're like, all right, if these people aren't that bad, then you can't be that yeah. bad. Yeah, and you've done a lot of work on yourself, I assume. Yeah. In different ways. Yeah. So you have this great opportunity coming up, but there's just like a part of you that's like having trouble like accepting the uh, accepting it, right? Yeah. Okay. Here, I'll try and sum up what my issue is. And yeah. It's, gonna, it's kind of the, in the form of a joke. That's not really a joke, but it, so I'm thinking like I can't become famous because then what about Grinder? <laughs> Does that make sense? Uh, no. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, that means you want to remain anonymous. Yes. You want to be successful but anonymous. Yeah. I. I, I need to be invisible in my life i think you know it's interesting we were just kind of talking sort of about the like in a way kind of about this where you know uh when people approach comedy like people can do it with drive and and people can do it with ambition and when you look at under the lens of ambition and you and that's your motivation that's that's when you kind of set yourself up to fail because because all of that stuff comes with it with ambition like like when you're when your whole drive is like I want to be famous, I want everybody to love me and know me and that kind of stuff, or you you cause yourself to be afraid of that possibility. Like that's just like a really um, destructive thing. But when you approach it from like a level of drive, where it's like I want to be the best, I want to be um, you know the most amazing comic that I can be, and like then it's kind of like you or, know, or you can have drive for smaller goals. Like I want this week, I want to really nail this four minute chunk. I want to work. I want to focus on this one thing to get better at it and be very driven in specific ways rather than I want, I want to do as many mics as grinder dates that I've had this week. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> but so, all order. So are you, you say saying, dates? Oh, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> so, so no, no, no steadies at the moment then. No, no, no. I really, I honestly gave up on love a long time ago. I have this weird theory. That I feel like we're, Heading into like a post love society, mm. people need to wake up. <laughs> so what? what uh, you know, I don't know if you're. I don't know if this is like a comfort zone for you, but like, what's what? You know, what is what is a, you know, what does it look like for Chris Hernandez? Like, what do you do? You meet guys, and you know, you have like a. a I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I hook up. I mean, we're living in a very, um, generous time for the gays. You know, we're not as you know, locked down as we used to be and with technology, um, having fun sex is so easy, especially in a city like New York with the apps that they have. And it's really allowed me to um, embrace my sexuality in a way that was like a lifetime process because being a gay person, just the very nature of wanting to have sex with another man is like shameful and disgusting. And so we're burdened with this whole... Like so many of us, a journey to overcome all that to where we can just enjoy sex without it, you know, feeling like a deviant. And uh, you feel like, like you want to cut in. I have a question. Yeah. Uh, the further, the more confident and the more embedded you are in your comedy, do you feel like it's helped you be c come closer to who you are as a man and as a gay man and in your relationships, whether they're sexual relationships or not? Like, do you think? The, the level of com how far you've come in your comedy has actually helped you become closer to who you are as a uh, a man in the world um, dating. Yeah, well, I don't date, so. Um, <laughs> but meeting other people. Yeah, I mean, just in general, com comedy has given me, I believe in myself a little bit. Like, no, I don't believe, I trust myself. 
Yeah. So knowing that, you know, I've been able to put together a set that works most times and all that stuff. And like, I'm, I'm trusting my point of view more, even like at a work meeting where I present something like I, I feel that my point is at least worth hearing, you know, like I, I, I trust my voice. Yeah. And so I'm not, I'm less afraid to step up and to use my voice in places outside of comedy. I, I, I also got to, I, I, I'm interested in the comedy angle, but I also have to ask specifically on the dating angle again, like, um, you know, this is something that whether, whether you're gay or straight or whatever, like with the advent of technology, there is a lot more accessibility out there for people to meet each other and hook up. And you just said yourself, like, I don't date. Right. So, but at, so on some level, it's been an empowering experience for you. But, like, I'm also interested, like, isn't there a level of, like, uh, the, everybody's kind why? of disposable? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, I do want to know why. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was, I was initially, like, initially a hopeless romantic. Right. And, you know, I dated and, you know, found love really early on in my teenage years and got my heart destroyed. And after a couple of those and seeing, like, the how low I can go from that stuff. It it just gets to the point where I'm like, it's not even safe for me to have those feelings for somebody. And I have like a, a really fortunate situation where my best friend, Rosie is, you know, someone I met in high school and I knew right upon meeting her that, you know, she was the one, she's like my soulmate. She's mm. my life partner, but we both are gay basically. And so we're not having sex. And for me, it's always just felt like, oh, I have that already. I'm not searching for my other half. Like, I yeah. have that. And you guys, you guys live, live together, together right? We live together now. You know, I've had to manipulate life's current to make that happen a couple of times. But uh, she is living with me now. Well, she's away. But Is Menno still living there? Um, he stays there a lot. I saw him at uh, Republic. Mm-hmm. He works there. Are you still there? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I love this friendship. I, I feel like you are, you know, what's interesting is I feel like, and I don't want to, I don't, I might be saying this incorrectly, but I think, I think, I think I've sometimes been there for you as like a, a confidant or mm-hmm. absolutely. A, I don't want to say mentor because I actually think you're a better comedian probably. Uh, and I don't know, whatever. I feel like sometimes you've come to me for advice or help or whatever. And now I see that with you and Menno, and it just makes me so happy. Yeah, it's a weird relationship. It's um, I realized the other day, I'm like, okay, so we, we're essentially like living together, we work together, and we do comedy together. And he's like a straight man, so having him in such close quarters, and I, 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 I'm a very affectionate person, and I definitely like love him. And I'm very like touchy-feely and trying to understand like his silences or whatever, like he's not as giving emotionally. Yeah. So it's like weird, all these things that like trips off on me, just be him being a man and the way I'm like relating to those things. I'm like, oh, did I do something wrong to upset him? Did I, you know, yeah. like a little girl, a little bitch. <laughs> um, it's so sweet though. Like when, cause you know, I, I, from what I understand, he, he couldn't live in his apartment anymore and he needed a place to crash. And you like, I, I love those stories about in comedy in general, like, you hear on podcast guys yeah. talking about twenty years ago. Oh, I was crashing on Big Jay's couch and Kevin Hart, and yeah. we would we would drive up to New York and do show. Like I love thinking about like how many of us, hopefully, will be telling those stories mm-hmm. in twenty years. Not me. You I've, got my, sh- I've got my shit together too much. I'll never be crashing on someone's couch. Yeah, but well, horribly wrong. Yeah, but there's going to be. <laughs> he's just be, saying that he's a white person. <laughs> yeah. But there's going to be other things we talk about, you yeah. know, and like I don't know. It's just exciting, and and you're that's so generous of you. Like I, I don't. We don't have to get into details about whatever's going on with him, but it's very generous of you to like. Well, you've got that, and you've got Rosie, and so like you have people in your life that kind of f- like fill those emotional needs, right? Yeah, my friendships are very, very intimate and even romantic. It's it sounds weird, but you so you wouldn't be open. So are you not even open to like if you met a guy and you know? Oh, I know I would be powerless to stop those feelings when because if they come, they come. Right. But like the last time I had feelings for someone, I was basically like suicidal after it. Nothing even happened. Just I don't know. I don't. It's just you feel so intensely. It's it's like a risk every time. Yeah, I mean, I think there's just this, I don't know. It's so sappy and stupid, but like I just there is like a fundamental like belief structure me that I'm unlovable. 
And so like when I have those feelings for someone, all it makes me feel is bad and like small and it's just disgusting. Like I just, I hate it. It makes me feel like weak and needy. And I just find that my life, I function better in life. I'm more able to be a better presence in other people's lives, not obsessing about this one person, you know? So for me, it just works better. And it's, there's no reason for me to think that I don't have love in my life because I have so much of it, you know, it's just in a different form. Right. So I'm okay with being like, I don't need that. Yeah. Cause I know if it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm, well, I'm just always interested when people come with that from the perspective of like, I am a broken person or I have, you know, trust issues or I have intimacy issues. And ultimately like I'm holding myself back from that. But then I like the perspective of like, well, no, actually like I have my, self kind of covered in a different way and it's actually just as fulfilling to me mm-hmm. that's something that's like i try not to present it that way but like i understand that i that is like a quote-unquote broken thing it's not a normal thing to not pursue romantic relationships well what is normal with uh relationships these days i mean uh i mean granted every cult every generation thinks that they're like breaking new ground and all that kind of stuff but it is an interesting thought of like you know where you know how how unique are we in terms of, you know, we have this level of technology and and thing that is unprecedented. Um, and how does that affect the way that we like each other and love each other and connect with each other? And, um, you know, does that make people more disposable with each other? You know, like you hear about that a lot in New York where people are just kind of like, oh, you know, I'll get it next time. You know, um, yeah, you know, I've, you know, like just people like kind of, you know, rate each other off mm-hmm. because, Oh, they said something that I didn't like for one second and I'm done. You know, I don't, I, there's a, a million other people out there, you know? Yeah. And I think certainly New York for sure. It's, it's kind of a hopeless game out there, isn't it? We fell in love in a hopeless place. I won't, I won't get into a relationship in New York because like, I know for a fact there's just like 3 million other men way better looking than me, way blah, 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 smarter so I'm like, why would I trust someone to, I don't know. You know, it's just like, it doesn't make sense to me that someone would choose me. It's just like, well, I get some people would say that, uh, you can have an emotional relationship with one person, a partner, you can find a, a ro- another Rosie, and then you can have lots of other physical relationships. That's like, I think like gay men are kind of, in a sense, pioneers of this like open relationship thing. Yeah. And part of me is like, it's a cop out. You know, it's it's having your cake and eating it too. Yeah. But at the same time, it's I think it's being realistic and honest. Well, I, I hate to, to hear the ne- the negative way you are about yourself. Like you, I think you are a lovable person, and yeah. and and you're a handsome man, and you've got a lot going for you. And like you said, you've got and a lot of brain. Love. You got a brain. You got love in your life. You got a lot of really positive things. You're going to be opening for Ashley Gavin at Caroline. <laughs> you, you know. There's a lot of good stuff happening, and I do understand. Trust me, the uh, <laughs> the notion of like I suck, I'm worthless, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Because, yeah, but for you, it makes sense. Like, yeah, for Cress, it's like, for me. You know, look oh, at you my know hairline. <laughs> What's what are you doing though? To you must do some work on yourself. Do you go to therapy or anything? No, I don't. I can't afford it. But I did after that last, like when I had feelings for somebody, and I after There's what like wasn't anything that happened. Yeah, that's what I found. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, money's very relative. Yeah, um, and because I found myself like the worst depression I've ever had in my life, where I'm like having trouble walking down the street, and I looked at what happened. I'm like, all right, I had feelings for this like kid that you know didn't work out. Um, this is disproportionate. To like the feelings that I'm having, so yeah. I'm like, this has got to be something other way things deeper. Going on and wrapped into that, that yeah. Will you make me a promise? And this is this is as a, you know, as a friend. When you start getting paid for these big gigs, you'll you'll get get something on your schedule with a professional. Oh, oh, for sure. I'm like, I, you, I, I you try want, to push everyone else into therapy because yeah. that that stint and therapy that I had because of that changed my life it took a while to kind of what when i mentioned like that core belief structure that i'm unlovable it took us a while to get to that but once i realized that i was like oh 
And it makes sense. You know, like my mother had to work three jobs. Like there wasn't, you know, my sister and I were basically on our own. We weren't like showered with love as kids and then in school just being made fun of, you know. And so it makes sense that I would have that and realizing that I might never be able to change that. But knowing that it's there, I know that I don't have to trust the narrative that I tell myself through that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's like, oh, I feel that way, but that doesn't mean I have to act according to that. Do you think uh, it's possible to be funny if you if you kind of like fix? I, there's no fixing in general, I don't think. But do you think if you learn to cope with these things or kind of if you did go back to therapy, all that stuff? And this is just a philosophical question. Do you guys think it's possible to be funny without being fucked up? Oh, I do. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think so, too. Especially if you're too fucked up, like you're depressed. Like, I can't do shit when I'm depressed. Um, yeah, you have like you have to process you have to process the th- the things in order to be funny about them, which I've said before. But you know, the other thing is like everybody's fucked up. You know, like there's nobody that is just had everything's gone just mm-hmm. swimmingly perfect for them. And if they had, then they're fucking boring usually. Like like somebody who has had everything go perfectly right for them their whole life. It's been a whole like like first of all, that's extremely rare. Secondly, anybody that I've met that even approaches that is less of an interesting person person generally because that means usually they're taking less risks in their life. Mm-hmm. They're not like if if you take risks, like things are going to go bad and if you try to put yourself out there, you know, you're going to get rejected and things are going to go amiss. Like there's it's an impossibility that you could you could be a person that that like strives for, you know, bigger things that that puts yourself out there that doesn't have bad things happen or have things go wrong. So, you know, everybody's got that, right? And that's a, and that's exactly why when I talk about that, people are like, oh, that's sad. Like you have this opinion of yourself or you think you're broken beyond repair. And I'm so grateful for it because I, I don't think it's sad at all because having that opinion I have of myself or had of myself for so long, I can never look at another individual and be like, I'm better than them. You know, I had such a low opinion of myself that everyone, I was kind of looking up at them. And in a sense, that's just like a, I realize now a much better way of looking at the world. Well, I think um, it's a balance though, right? Like, like you want to, I think it's good if you don't look at yourself as better than anyone else, but you also don't want to think of yourself as less than anyone else. Yeah. I mean, it's weird, but it's just allowed me to have that compassion for people. You know, I can never judge anybody else because you know god knows i've done so much shit and that has just made me such an open person that has allowed the right people and the right mix of people into my life to kind of shape it in the way that it's been shaped to i'm weird like i believe in like destiny and shit like that you know yeah so like like with mine and mental's relationship i'm like oh this is meant to be but like what what is it for you know i get weirded out like that i I think sometimes people serve a certain function in your life for a certain period of time right like you can yeah relationships can be that way friendships can be that way and mine's really intense yeah yeah i mean like all my life these relationships have been so obvious that that's why i i believe in that kind of thing like um with ashley like i know that our paths were destined to play an important role or at least her and mine obviously she just gave me the biggest you know you never know you never know how that you know but also we're so different you know like her work ethic is so different than mine i I mean yeah we we went to her apartment and she is like so organized so you know structured yeah yeah i was watching her handle the we're sitting at climate lounge where we do the open mics and a comic would say, oh, I'm, I'm coming to your show. She would put in an Excel spreadsheet that she had open on her computer with a list of just <laughs> names. Yeah, yeah. She knew how many people were coming, how many were still waiting to be confirmed, how many she wanted to ask. And I just looked at her. I'm like, you're prepared for almost any opportunity that comes your way. She gave me this opportunity, and I was like texting each person individually all the information. I'm like, this is not practical. Like, I'm not prepared to meet opportunities. Yeah, but you know what about texting individuals? This is kind of separate. From I want to make sure that it's, like, special to each person. So yeah, that they, you and, know. and it's it's so much more real to, like, like it, when I'm producing a show and I book people, like, I don't book bringers, but it's nice when people do invite their friends to come. I always tell people, anybody that will listen, uh, it's so much more effective to reach out to five of your friends and say, hey, I have this show 
I know you live in the neighborhood. It would be great if you came out. That's so much more effective than the Facebook posts, just the blind Facebook post mm-hmm. that says, hey, I'll be at blah, blah, blah next week. Nobody's coming from that. Just like re- if you reach out to individuals, that that's so much better. And so I'm seeing that. I'm like, okay, I need an email list. Mm-hmm. I need to get headshots. I need, you know, like watching her, like being able to witness her craft. And then I had her on my podcast and I've always looked at her as like an, I'm going to say this word wrong. Anomaly. Is that right? Yeah. And, um, like just other than human in a weird way. But when I had her on the podcast and she kind of like, what's your podcast, by the way, it's called lost city with Chris Hernandez. Yeah. So uh, there's people, people can like find that on yeah. like any kind you of, you can find my episode with Chris. On oh there. yeah. That's, mm-hmm. I think that was my favorite one. That was a nice day. I enjoyed that. Good talks on that. Yeah. Um, but she really humanized her robotic, quote unquote, process to me. Oh yeah, I, I, we, I felt the same way. I felt so happy to have gotten to know her just from doing this podcast with her. And, yeah. And then it's just like, what am I doing? Nothing. <laughs> I'm not doing anything. I could, yeah. I could be doing like. There's so many haters. Like you know when somebody's like got new headshots on Facebook or whatever, and then like haters will like say, oh, if you're getting headshots at a year end, what do you blah blah blah. It's like no. That's not it's not about the headshots. It's about telling the universe I believe in myself. Mm-hmm. I deserve this as a career and I want this as a career. It's not about the fucking headshots. It's not about the business cards. It's just about showing other humans and God and the universe or whatever you believe in that yes, I take myself seriously and this is what I want. I like to show the great turtle that I'm serious yeah. about this. I'm done taking stress poops about my career. Call Are back. You- <laughs> stress poops. Uh, so, so, so you're fired up, but Ashley is inspiring you. It sounds like, yeah, in a sense, it, it feels like that relationship has already shown to me that it's serving a huge purpose mm-hmm. in like my development as a person, mm-hmm. as a comic, and I just think it's so weird to just get like randomly intertwined with people like yeah. that, and it's it's so beautiful, and it's so. That's another thing. Like that's why I'm just like it's important to be open to everyone because you never know who's gonna be that one person that yes. fucking like just changed the game for I, you. I can't believe it took me until this year to realize. Oh, this is about relationships. Like stand up is such a solitary art form. You're on the stage by yourself, but it's so good to find like your close group that like you can write with. You know, you can go do shows. I with. love that about just about any art form. I mean, stand up is singular in the way that it works, but. I think uh, it's so cool to any kind of creative process where you can get involved. You can find communities of other people that are interested in the same things. And everybody's kind of, you know, generally trying to find some truth for themselves and in the world. And it's, 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 it's such a cool thing. It's, it's exciting to, to meet people and see what they're doing and, and, you know, have them see what you're doing. And yeah, it's kind of a cool process, I think. Yeah. It's, I feel so lucky to have like a reason like to talk to other people about what like you talk to people about what their most like weird stuff is in their brain or their most exciting thing or their biggest victories or biggest losses and all that like in the form of a podcast or in the form of like a writing session or whatever it, i feel really lucky and it's like a, a privilege to like get to know mm-hmm. other guys like you guys yeah it's just fun to sit there in an open mic and just watch comic after comic go up and just try you know try yeah. try their thing and and fail but just like watching people that are finding their way, like how everyone is just, they really go up there and do their own thing. It's like the craziest, like it's infinite. The, the possibilities are just as numerous as many people try in comedy. Yeah. Of what a set can look like on stage. And it's so fascinating to me. I get such a rush watching somebody I care about have a, a breakthrough on a bit or like an idea. Or like a new comic when they get their first laugh and they like, it throws them because yeah. they, like, smile and they get all giddy. You know, yeah. I love the failures as much as I love the successes, though. Like, I, I like the masochist. Fa- I like the failures when they keep coming back and they keep failing. That I, doesn't I like bother that. you? No, because I, I really identify with that persistence in the, in the face of, like, you really should just quit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Like I just identify <laughs> there, with there's that. There's a certain point with that. It's like you've been doing this for two years. You're no, you're no more funny than you were. You're doing even the, some of the same jokes that have never ever gotten a laugh. Like why? That seems like insanity to me. Like when you're when you like, I do appreciate the level of like I'm going to keep at this so much. But like, yeah, that's that's crazy. I mean, I guess if that's 
if that's what that person wants to do, like, you know, God bless. But- it, could, it couldn't have been me. You know, like I thank God I started getting chuckles the second time around because where would I be right now? <laughs> Yeah, man. So you're on your way to a huge career high. What would you say has been your lowest career low so far? Specifically with comedy? Yeah. Do you have any like major bombs or anything that you can remember? I mean, I just remember first starting out how just lonely and like soul crushing it was to just suck. And then, yeah. And then all the people just ignore you after because no one wants to identify with this shitty comic. Yeah. It's just like, had no friends and it was just really lonely and and just dark. <laughs> it, yeah. it really hasn't been because every time I, I do go into every like event kind of like, all right, I'm probably going to be the worst comic on this show and then wind up being like one of the better ones. So usually every, I always like expect low and then unpleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. So I think I set myself up to kind of like not really have too many disappointments. Yeah. I think that is the theme for this, uh, this episode. Chris. Yeah, <laughs> I've learned. Don't expect or hope, or I mean, hope yes, but don't don't count on anything. Yeah. And well, this this business is historically brutal, so that's probably and just the growing best. up as a you know poor, you know, you just you learn that you can really only focus on what's in front of you. Yeah, and I think that's why this thing is tripping me out because I don't comedy. When you think of like what success looks like, it's kind of vague. Like I'm not sure what that looks like for me is it a tv show is it like a great special and so i don't really think of all those things i just show up to the mics and just really kind of just keep it as like just show up and do the time and like well, try a lot a of time job. that is exactly what it is it's just like show up mm-hmm. right yeah. like if you and that's it's like for anything that is. you know yeah show up to the mic if you've got some extra chub show up to the chib if yeah. you you know it's it's it started happening for me when I started doing two to three mics a night. Yeah, I I don't do that now. But what are you doing now? What are you doing? Like how it's much? pretty, it's sparse right now. We were talking about the amount of hours on stage per week. What are you What are you at? Mine's really low right now because I'm in transition right now. I think transition to new material or what? Well, because these things keep coming up where I'm like I need to keep working on my old material. Make Does sure it, do you think that them. makes it? that actually puts a pressure on you that makes it more difficult for you to do it to do like more mics. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're, like, yeah. Yeah, you're like, Oh, I need to, Oh, now I need to do even stronger material. I can't do any, anything. Yeah. And when I'm trying to do my old material, mics, like, I'm like, I don't even like, I know it, you know, I can just practice it at my room. I don't need to spend the money to, yeah. <laughs> to go to a mic to try it. And then like, my newer stuff, I'm consciously, I think trying more headier stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just taking a lot longer to kind of, find the jokes in a place where it works. I do like the uh, joke about you eating like a full cake every morning though. Oh, the, bo- the uh, what do I call that? Bodega cake? Yeah. That one doesn't always work. <laughs> Here's a question I have for you. Did you call your mom and tell her you're, you have a big show coming up? Interesting question only because the answer is funny. Um, I called a cousin of mine and was like, hey, I'm doing this show. It's going to be the biggest night of my life. I'd really like for like you and my mom and you know some family to try and see if there's a way you can come out. And then probably an hour after I made that phone call, I was like, "Oh fuck, I should tell them to forget about it. like don't don't let them come out, don't." And uh, I don't know, it's, it's it's a weird thing. I don't. Are they coming? Yeah, they come. No, they're not coming. They couldn't really afford it. But. Like, could could can they? Patrick and I are coming. We're gonna see you. Do you think they can wrap their heads around like? what it means to be playing a sold-out show at Caroline's in New York City? I want to say no, um, just because I think it's abstract for them. Because it's weird. Sometimes I'll come I'll come home, and then I'll be like, oh, I'm going to be like, they're going to be happy to see me. I'm going to be like the king for a little while. And I get there, and they're just like, shut up. They just ignore me or whatever. They just like treat me like nobody. Yeah. And but then my mom would be like, "Here's my son from New York," you know, like brag about me to her friends. I'm like, "Which is it? Like, do you think highly of me, or do you just think I'm?" Yeah. Um, I just also too, I'm afraid that they just wouldn't get it, you know. Yeah. Like I would feel hurt if they came and didn't like Ashley said, or you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've taken them some to some comedy shows, and I'm like, you guys definitely did not give that what it deserved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just different out there than in the Midwest, so. Well, Patrick and I are going to be out there. We're going to see you uh, Wednesday night Yep, at Caroline's Comedy Club, crushing it for 20 minutes. And we are so proud of you. 
And we love you. You guys are such yes, a part do. of it. And mm. you deserve this. Okay. <laughs> so um, slay it, kill it, and have some goddamn fun up oh, there. That's all Patrick, I'm gonna are do. you doing any shows this week that you want to let people know oh, about? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I actually don't have any shows. I don't know. I have uh, End of the Line on February 11th. End of the Line, February 11th. I'm going to be, this Wednesday, I'm going to be hosting uh, the 11 p.m. at Broadway Comedy Club. And then, uh, or not Wednesday, Thursday. Is that what I said? I don't know I don't what know. you said. Thursday, and then, and then Friday, I'll be performing the 10 p.m. Matt Nagin show at Broadway Comedy Club, so come out to that. Yeah. Chris, are you doing anything besides this awesome, huge Caroline show? No. No. You, you have Lost City end of February coming up yeah. at the standing room. Yeah, sorry, guys. Sold out. Sold out tickets. But Yeah, I'm just focusing on that. Just get through that, and yes. then we'll see if I still have a career after that. <laughs> Well, we're so happy for you. Break a leg. Thank we'll you. See you thank you. Chris, thank you so much for coming out. Yeah, thanks for having me. Folks, you've been listening to The Comics Table. Yeah, I'm, man. I'm Sweet P. And I'm Sweet T. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Have a good night.